you're watching and listening to Machinery Matters with me, Lydia Turner. And me, Matt Tilt. Machinery Matters is brought to you by Farm Contractor and Large Scale Farmer, which you can find more information about at www.farmcontractormagazine.com. So as some of you may know, at the beginning of May, it was in fact Deaf Awareness Week. And this is an extremely important topic for us to discuss on Machinery Matters because so many people in the farming community are exposed to equipment which without the correct PPE and limiting length of exposure can be extremely damaging and dangerous. That's why we're extremely delighted to be bringing you this special episode of Machinery Matters which is accessible via YouTube with closed captioning. So before we get into the main body of today's episode we're going to bring you the latest agricultural machinery news. Figures released by the Agricultural Engineers Association show that for the six month in a row, UK tractor registrations have increased year on year. April 2021 saw 1,009 units registered, an increase of 11.1%, bringing the total for the year so far to 4,268, 12.3% up on the same period in 2020. And an issue that will be affecting Everyone across agriculture, nearly 70,000 people have backed the NFU's call for immediate action to tackle rural crime, demonstrating the demand for a safer, cleaner and greener countryside. As newly elected police and crime commissioners take up their posts, more than 50,000 people have signed an open letter demanding action to tackle fly tipping, including working, with, working closely with local authorities and landowners on prevention, cleanup and prosecution. We're delighted to welcome NFU Farm Safety and Transport Advisor Tom Price. So Tom, we're well aware of the headline dangers on farms, but how dangerous can loud machinery actually be? Uh, well, any sort of loud, loud machinery can poise um, a hazard and can result in um, damage to hearing um, and dependent on the um, level of noise and the length of exposure uh, that damage could result in um, tinnitus which is uh, ringing in the in the ears um, that uh, can be uh, uncomfortable and it can cause um, difficulty with things things like sleeping and um, all the way through to a complete um, loss of, of hearing and I think one of the things about um, hearing loss is that uh, potentially it's something which it can be very gradual and, and can go unnoticed really until you get to the stage where there's, there's some irreversible damage uh, being being caused so, so I think um, yes it can it can be dangerous and, and can have really big effects on uh, a person's person's life because if you if you lose your ability to hear you know that that affects your ability to um interact with others um across every aspect of, of of your life and specifically in a work situation um you know if you rely on um verbal communication for instructions and f especially for safer for safety information then that that has a very practical impact as well and what would you say i mean the effects of this can be devastating. What would you say are the key culprits of hearing loss on a farm? Where where are things? What are the things that people are using and maybe not taking into account the damage it can do to their hearing? Well, I suppose it, it can it can cover sort of like a, a whole whole range of sort of different different types of uh, um, equipment um, that will 
commonly found in the in the in sort of like farm workplace, but also I suppose you'd have them in the in the home workplace as well. It's just that perhaps when you're using stuff at home, you don't use it for uh, the length of time that you would in a work situation. So um, I think to give you some 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 examples, um, I think that if you find yourself in situations where um, noise is intrusive. Um, you know, for example, um, when you're sort of beside a, a, a busy road, or if you're using um, a, um, a, a, a vacuum cleaner, um, that that would be the sort of situation that would give you um, sort of like cause for concern and to, to let you start thinking that you should be doing doing something. Or, for, for example, if you're trying to talk to somebody in, in a normal conversational tone. Um, and you have to raise your voice when, when you're sort of two meters apart. That's the sort of situation which would make you think, well, yeah, there's a bit of a noise issue here and I need to be doing something about it. And to give you some, some um, sort of practical examples, my, my lawnmower, it, it, it operates at around about um, uh, 90 decibels. Uh, what the law says is that um, when you get to 80 decibels, that's when you should be telling employees about um, the risks in the workplace. When you get to 85, that's when you sh should be doing something about um, assessing the risk and taking steps to, to monitor, monitor that risk. So using that example of a lawnmower, uh, which has been, been used at 90 decibels, then if you're using that, say, for more than half an hour, then that's the sort of situation where you should be thinking, right, we need to be um, looking at who's using this, how long are they using it for, uh, and what sort of uh, protection we need to be um, supplying um, to 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 um, keep somebody's um, hearing uh, at at a, the way the way the way it should be. So yeah, it's a, sure. so it's going to be it's like a whole range of equipment. So it could be stuff from um, I don't know using an electric drill. Um, if you're using a, a mower, uh, or if you're using, sort of, say, a, a chain chainsaw, or you know, any other sort of implement which is sort of attached to the to the back back of the vehicle, so it could be could be anything. Uh, and I think you really need to to to, to start, start trying to think about is it is it intrusive in a particular situation? Okay. Yeah, and I mean, you touched on you know a few different pieces of equipment there, and one of the things that we've seen in recent times is you know, the development of tra tractor cabs and, you know, a lot of people no longer having to worry about the impact of louder implements because of these. But do you think this contributes to a lot of operators forgetting about the other equipment that can cause damage? Well, just, just to go back uh, one, one step, perhaps, is to, is to sort of think about modern tractor cabs. Now, um, typically, they will have a noise level of around about 80 decibels in Inside inside the cab, but that makes some assumptions. First of all, it makes assumption that it's that it's a relatively modern cab, and it's it, the technical spec is actually to that level. So, so if you're using the cab, I suppose the first thing to do is actually to to dig out the manual and see what it actually says about your particular vehicle and what level of protection it gives. That's also assuming that all the stuff which has been fitted into the vehicle to keep noise uh, at that level is actually in good nick. You know, it hasn't been damaged in some, some way. And perhaps might even make some assumptions like you're keeping the wind, window closed. I was just uh, about to say that we're, we're terrible in this industry for the first thing we do, open the back window and have a maybe even lean yeah. out and break a couple of other health and safety rules in the process. 
<laughs> so I, I think what I'm trying to get to is, is that just because you might have a cab, you know, which which um, you think gives a certain level a level of protection, it's it's I think there's still a requirement to make sure that you um, you know sort of check check that out in the particular situation that you're actually using it in, and also I mean there's there's tons of different you know there's like a whole range of different implements that that can be used and they're going to operate in diff, diff, different ways and it's not necessarily that um, just every implement is going to be okay in that particular context that you're that you use using it in so i think yeah check the cab see what level of protection you've got uh, and and also um make an assessment as to as to um how it's actually being um being being used at the at the uh, time in in terms in terms of other 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 equipment uh, i think um it's, it's important just to remember those 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 basics that you know you might have protection in your cab but in other sort of situations you've still got to have that awareness that um, loud persistent noises um, it can be a cause for concern and you may need to take steps to uh, do something about it so I think that sort of rough and ready guide is that if you need to raise your voice to have a conversation if you if you're two meters apart that's that's the that's the point you should be thinking um, and we need to be doing something about it. And I suppose also it's not just in a, in a context of using vehicles. It might be other other equipment that you used on farm, uh, which could um, you know result in high high no noise levels. I'm thinking mm. you know, perhaps about grain dryers here. Um, so so you know it's it's that wider situation. And even some um, animal feeding units um, they can, they can produce noises of up to 100 decibels. Um, so it's it's important to have have that that broad awareness. It would be, be a first time for anyone to tell me to raise my voice. I'm normally told to speak a little quieter. Um, what sort of PPE should farmers and contractors be looking to invest in? And what would you say to people who, in the case of, say, ear protection, note that it makes it difficult for them to do their jobs because they don't feel like they can have that level of communication with their colleagues in the area? Okay. Well, I suppose... The first point to make is, is that when you when you look at any sort of um, um, uh, hazard uh, that's that's going to cause a, a risk risk of harm, is is to is to is the first thing to do is actually to look to see whether or not you can take that hazard away completely. So, are the things that, that you can do to actually um, stop uh, exposure exposure to to um, uh, excessive noise in the first place? And that might be really simple things like you know making sure the kits. Um, serviced when it should be serviced you know that that the stuff which is meant to limit noise is, is actually there it's fitted and it's working and it's well well maintained it could be that you could make you know changes to actually working procedures to take away that 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 source of, of noise if that's not possible then um there is a duty on employers and just people who are working for themselves um, to take take steps to um, control and mitigate um, ex excessive excessive noise and one way to do that would be by ear protection now um, what level of protection is is required is is going to you know depend on uh, how how loud the the noise that you're exposed exposed to is um, so you know I suppose you have to make sure that you've done a sufficient assessment to actually to understand the nature of the threat to start off with and then you can get the right right equipment um, in to um, combat that and um, when you're looking at um, ear defenders or ear musk whatever you want to want to call them uh, 
uh, one uh, way to assess what's needed is, is to look at what's known as a um, SNR number, that's a single number ref reference. Um, and in the base, in general terms, that the higher the SR number is, the higher the level of protection that ear defenders will, will, will give. So say, for example, you're operating in an environment that's um, 90 decibels. Mm -hmm. If you get ear defenders which have an SNR of 19, that means then that they're actually bringing that noise level down to 80 de okay. decibels. So it, it, it has, has an effect of reducing the the uh, level of noise exposure. Um, I suppose one of the other things when selecting PPE is actually to select the right stuff, because there's there's no no point you know buying stuff um, which is going to be um, overcompensating, and I think that comes to the, the point that uh, it could lead to uh, people feeling isolated, you know, uh, sort of not able to to understand or take part in communications with uh, fellow workers so it's very much a case of assessing the situation and choosing the right kit to fit that that particular um sit, sit, situation and i suppose also if you are working in a situation where the, there is um high high noise ex exposure is is to work out you know it's sort of like agreed policies you know agreed agreed um, methods of commun communication um so you know it even could be that you know if you're doing a particular procedure you don't proceed until you've you've had you know, the thumbs, thumbs up. up from whoever is is working work, work, working with you, uh, but those are things which you'd have to have to look at in a particular work context. Okay. Okay. Yeah, for sure. It, there's a lot there in terms of that sort of communication in regards to accessibility as well. I don't, I don't know what the overall population is in regards to the amount of people within the farming community that actually are deaf or um, have hearing loss of some form. But that's a really, I know, I know it wasn't directly linked there, but it's an interesting point to think about in terms of how would we communicate in those scenarios as well, not just the scenarios in terms of when people are wearing, you know, ear defenders and things. And yeah, sort sort of on on a separate note, um, you know, a lot of these these pieces of equipment that have an impact on hearing, they they, they can also cause a lot of other problems, you know, with the vibrations and things and. In regards to that, what other advice would the NFU or, or yourself personally give to prevent this? Okay, you're quite right. Yeah, um, if you're using sort of um, handheld equipment that um, uh, vibrates, I'm thinking of you know things like chainsaws, bush cutters. Then th there is there is a need actually to um, make sure that you take sufficient sufficient steps to um, control that. So I suppose the first thing is actually to to make sure that you um, look at what people are doing and um, uh, what the what the potential uh, risk risks are. I think things like um, hand handheld held equipment. Uh, some sort of top tips are are to, to to make sure, first of all, that it's well maintained. That the stuff that's part of the kit, which is designed to limit things like vibration, is is actually doing it doing 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 its job and it's do, doing its job uh, well um, I think um, especially when using handheld equipment always start with warm hands and keep 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 them warm that helps blood circulation and can can help um, limit um, damage and I think also it's to um, to take take regular breaks and um, the other the other sort of 
another potential source of vibration, something which is known as whole body vibration, uh, which, um, as as it as it says, it involves uh, shocks of the whole of, whole of the body. And typically, you'll get those when when using uh, vehicles, when you know, when when driving tractors and other agricultural machines. So I suppose might just sound like common sense is, but if you've you've got adjustments on the chair, yeah. um, use them and get the chair sorted out so that it's comfortable for you just because you know you're jumping into something it might have been used by some somebody else in the business you know don't don't be afraid to spend you know that couple of minutes just making those adjustments to get it back to you if if they if if they if, if they need be i suppose the thing about maintenance is is it applies as well you know to make sure that everything is is, is maintained and and all the um suspension uh, features on a on, on a machine are there and doing the job that they're expected to do um, travel at an appropriate speed you know for the ground that, that you're going over and you know, it sounds sensible you know but it's, it's choose the the easiest route you know the one which is you know, the smoothest and the and the one with the least least um, ruts in and the least things which are going to sh- shake the vehicle and and you and you, and you about. So I suppose the message is really you know sort of a lot of common sense can go um, a long way in terms of trying to trying to control that. Try and limit how many times you're cultivating on an angle across the field. Yeah, yeah, and also also I mean if. If you have got a if you have got a bad back, you know if you are suffering from back problems, driving a vehicle where you, where you know that you're going to be uh, going over rough ground, um, you know might not be the the best idea. So it's actually you know thinking it's it's about thinking for the for the for the driver for the person, am I the right person to do this particular job or you know I'm not feeling too good today, should I put it off? You know can I can I reschedule my work so that I get this at a at a at a different 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 time? Um, and and also to take um, frequent breaks, you know, give yourself that 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 break. Um, it's good in terms of um, giving you a rest from from um, moving around in the vehicle, but it's it's just a good idea anyway when it comes to the, to, to uh, working, uh, just to have a break to get out, stretch your legs, uh, and most people i'd say would would feel that would say that they you know they go back to work feeling that little bit better a bit more refreshed and better able to get on with the job that's so interesting i'd never considered that just having warm hands would kind of reduce the impact of using a chainsaw using a drill anything like that so yeah um i would say that there's there's the HSE website is really good source of information on on noise and how how to manage it, uh, and on the website they've got um, a noise a noise calculator which can help you um, assess uh, the situation that you 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 may have in, in the in the, in the workplace and steps that you can that you can take to um, control it and and types of um, uh, PPE earmuffs that might be appropriate for that that particular um, job that that you're doing so it's a really good place to go and look and that brings up another kind of I guess final point really which is if we're going to be really almost callous about this this isn't just about people's health and livelihood if you're an employer who is found to have not provided the right equipment for a certain job, you can be held liable in some regards, can't you? Oh yes, very, de- very definitely. Um, 
in, in basic terms, um, there's a duty on every employer to take all reasonable steps to um, protect the health and safety of people that they, that they employ. There are also specific regulations, um, the noise reduction reg regulations, which just talk about noise in the workplace and things that employers need, need to do. So um, employers can find themselves in hot water, uh, not just in the sense that um, they may have um, contributed towards uh, an employee's um, ill health and um, permanent loss, loss of hearing in some cases, they can also find themselves in, in, in uh, difficulties with the HSE to, to, to show that they've actually discharged those basic duties to take reasonable steps to uh, protect the, the health and safety of people who, who are working for them. And I think in terms of, in terms of, in terms of action and, and duty, um, it's important to remember that that duty to take reasonable steps to, to protect health and safety it applies to the self-employed as well. The self-employed have a duty to protect their own health, health and safety, and and they can face enforcement action from the HSE for for failure to do something which is uh, helping to um, look after their own health and health and safety. Yeah, no one, no one likes a call from HSE. No, no, but you know, the, the, and I, I think I think what I, I would stress is that um, you know the HSE they are the regulator, they've got a duty to do to uphold the law, but also they are you know, a really good source of information and uh, advice, especially when it comes to um, hearing loss. Um, there's there's a, a, a publication um, called Farmwise, which is available on their on their website. If you just Google HSE Farmwise, um, that comes up with some really useful um, information about a whole range of safety aspects on farm. But there is there is a section on um, noise and noise protection. And also, if you if you just go onto the website and just put in um, noise, you know you get you get up loads of other information. Uh, um, which is generic across all industries. And also, as I said earlier, there is a, a, noise, a, a noise calculator, which is available on their, on their website. And we'll definitely put those details somewhere alongside either, you know, if you're listening on the audio or you're watching us on YouTube, you'll be able to find that somewhere. So it will definitely be there and on, on our social media too. So we'll make that process nice and easy for people to get hold of that information. That's great. Well, thank you so much for taking part, Tom. Thank you for helping us raise awareness on noise levels within agriculture and the steps we can take to hopefully reduce this. So, uh, no, that's brilliant. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to help. Thank you. Thank you. On an exciting note, Serials 2021 is coming to Lincolnshire for two days on the 30th of June and sees a wide variety of manufacturers take part in the first agricultural event since the pandemic with demonstrations of the latest machinery. One of those manufacturers is McCormick and Matt was lucky enough to chat with them today. So I'm joined by the Business Development Director of AgriArgo UK, Ben Agar. He's going to be talking to us about the new McCormick X7624 tractor and some of the cab developments that the company have introduced over the last few years. Thanks for joining us, Ben. Thanks, Matt. Great to see you as always. Yeah, good to see you too. It's only been a couple of weeks since uh, we got to meet up in Doncaster and kick a bit of dust up with the uh, X7. 
Yeah, it's been long overdue. It was great to finally get back out in the field again. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And uh, yeah, it's nice to see people face to face and not just on a, a screen. Again, a bit Zoom fatigue. <laughs> I'm glad it's not just me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Liza, like recently got to drive the X7624. Um, we there'll be a full rundown of that in farm contract. I've had a chance to drive it, just not a chance to write it up yet. But do you want to give our listeners a kind of brief rundown of the machine and uh, what's been introduced with it? Yeah, thank you. So the, the X7624 is our new stage five CVT transmission machine. So we have three models in the, the CVT version of the X7. The X7 has been around a few years now, but this is the next generation. Um, as we move to stage five emissions, we've taken the opportunity to add uh, a load more new features, which we really believe now puts us right in the middle of the mainstream of other manufacturers with a, a, a really good quality product with lots of new features that will hopefully continue to help grow the success of McCormick in the UK. Okay, that's, that's brilliant. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it's a really nice tractor to drive and I'm still really impressed with the... Uh the data screen manager, the DSM, and uh, how easy that is to use? I think with a, a lot of tractors nowadays, it's it's all about making the, the operator as efficient as possible, particularly when people are spending long hours in the tractors. So as you mentioned, our, our DSM has been um, very much redesigned with this new generation of tractors so that we've got a lot more functionality in there. We're using icons to navigate through the screen that might be more familiar to people from a sort of mobile phone type background. Mm -hmm. um, it's very much almost app based within the screen, uh, very user friendly, very straightforward to operate. And then that links into things like programmable functions within the tractor. So on the, the main joystick now, for example, we've got five programmable functions. So anything that comes off the, the CAN bus network of the tractor, you could actually program as a function into the joystick. So you, we can go from very simple button presses right the way up to complicated headland management turn sequences with timings, making it as simple or as complicated as the operator wants for the job. Yeah, I know. Even even the tractor doing the headland turn for you now, which I still I still occasionally when I'm in the tractor, it still does look like I think there's that um part of you that's you still want to take the wheel a little bit. It does take a little bit of getting used to the headland turns, doesn't it? The automatic ones. It 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 does indeed, and it's quite a strange feeling. We haven't got uh, quite yet to the stage on demo where we've had to cable tie people's hands together. <laughs> It's, it is a, a very different sensation and, and trusting that the, the machine is actually going to do the job for you um, and just having confidence that it will perform. But once, once you've experienced it a few times, it's a really interesting way and it allows you to concentrate on what's happening at the back of the tractor. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, now, when we, when we mapped in Doncaster a couple of weeks ago, you talked a little bit about the cab. You talked about how comfortable it was, the kind of reduced noise levels in the cab. And... This links into what we've been discussing on the podcast. And we know that loud machinery can have an impact on your hearing. It's probably less of an issue now within tractors because we now have a cab. No one's, no one's kind of just sat on, on an open air seat listening to the engine roar. Um, Argo Tractors produces its own cab. So could you talk us through a little bit of the development of these? 
Yeah, one of the interesting things about uh, working for a company that actually makes its own cab systems is that we start with a blank sheet of paper. We're not buying a cab system from somebody else and then we have to make the track to fit the cab. We we literally, when we're designing tractors, we we can make the two uh, aligned from, from the start. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, as you say, we produce all our own cabs. We have a factory in Northern Italy um, and everything is done by robot, right? Obviously through from CA, CAD, uh, computer-aided design, right through to the, the welding on the line. So every cab as it's produced goes on a special jig that can rotate it through a number of axes through 360 degrees. So that rather than, for example, coming in over the top to put a weld in, you can actually flip the cab and come under the bottom or come from an angle so that it's incredibly precise um, we, you're not just building in the strength uh, and in, inherent um, uh, strength of the cab that you need to achieve the ROPS and the FOPS standards, for example, but that, that can also have an impact on noise. Okay. Okay. And how, how, are, how is noise kind of minimised in these cabs now? I mean, it, we're, we're getting down to kind of, what, what, I believe you told me, but you have to remind me, what is the decibel level in the uh, new cabs? So we're at sort of, depending on where you measure it and for how long you measure it, there's, <laughs> there's different numbers. But generally, we'd be talking about 70, 71 dBA. So yeah. dBA is the decimal, uh, sorry, decibel level. And just to put that into context, um, if you were to be listening to some rustling leaves, that has a, a decibel rating of 10 if you were to be having a vacuum cleaner in front of you, that has the equivalent sort of noise as you'd experience in a cab. Uh, a live rock band would be 130 decibels. A rocket launch would be 180. So that puts it very much into context. But you've got to then remember that you're working in this environment for a long, long period of time. So um, whilst, whilst I do my own cleaning at home, I never vacuum for eight hours. Um, we've got to we've got to look at every point within the cab environment but it's it's a really interesting one because we spend you know millions of euros investing in into making this the most quiet and most comfortable workplace possible and then so many operators do exactly what i do as soon as they get the tractor cab what's the first thing we do open the back window open the back window yes you, lo- you lose all of that protection from noise. And I think as, a, as an industry, you know, we, we take health and safety very, very seriously when we're talking about operating and working at heights and slopes and PTO shafts and, and all that sort of stuff. But we sometimes forget that one of the, uh, I think there was a, a piece in one of the journals that 75 people, uh, so sort of 75% of people working in agriculture can at some point in their career have some sort of hearing difficulty. So making the cab the most um, the most productive, but also the most safe from a noise pollution point of view is, is really a key thing going forward. And as, as we move into sort of next generations looking ahead, because we're always looking you know, at the next generation and where we're going, there's no sort of silver bullet that will say we can bring cabs down to 60, 50, 40 decibels. Uh, because at the end of the day, it's it's a workstation on top of a machine that's that's moving and producing noise. But I think we will be constantly striving to make sure that we make the the environment as as quiet and as pleasant as possible. Okay, I mean that's that's really interesting because that that links to a lot of the other operator comfort things because the need to open the window is reduced or even negated by the fact that you can now have 
kind of climate controlling your tractor. You can have all these notifications through the kind of DSM and, and other, other screens on the market if people. So um, you can then get a feel for the machine on the back or the machine on the front or both by using what's in the cab to the kind of utmost, can't you? Absolutely. And again, there's, you know, there's a big uptake we're finding, particularly with larger arable users in, in wireless cameras. Mm. Um, the kit's getting big. You know, you look at a big square baler nowadays on the back. Um, if you really want to see what's going on, what's coming off, off the back end, uh, a wireless camera or Bluetooth cameras are the way forward. So again, negates the need to be uh, to be looking at opening the back window and sticking your head out the back. But I guess it's the way we were all just brought up. Yeah, um, definitely. So the very first tractor I ever drove certainly didn't have a cab. So, you know, it was dust and muck and everything else that was coming at you. So <laughs> we should count ourselves very lucky of these environments we now get to work in. Oh, I was terrible when I worked on the farm for opening the back, the uh, rear window. I used to I used to see in the cab all day and come back kind of dirtier than uh, ev everyone else who'd been out fencing or something because I'd just be covered in dust because having the rear window is... It, like you say, it does. It's something that comes naturally, isn't it? So it it is, and I think you know the it, it is a means of escape. So from a from a safety point of view, we still have to have that 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 opening rear screen. Um, but I think you know more and more as machines get bigger and implements get bigger and more complex. Uh, we have to trust in the technology that's available to us and uh, with isobus control now as well um, and you know we're, as we say looking at variable rate and section control all through one screen at the end of the day it's it's almost becoming work like working in an office sat in front of a pc because you are you're using the technology to control the machine control the vehicle more um, and you don't have to be outside in you know in, in the muck and the dust so much i mean farming is a unique environment it's not a job it's a way of life yeah um, and uh, uh, once it gets in your blood you never get rid of it but um, you know we we've got to try and make sure that we we do everything in terms of safety and and noise pollution to try and make sure that we we look after the people that are working in that environment okay okay and then moving away from the cab a little bit um there's also efforts across the industry to reduce actual noise levels from tractors so the kind of noise pollution this has come from kind of greater insulation around the engine bay and things like that. How have McCormick adapted their kind of engine bays to reduce overall noise levels? Well, again, the types of cladding that are being used around the engine, the even the way you look at managing the airflow through, through the engine, uh, even down to the design of the bonnet where you have fins, it can all deflect or even perception of noise. Um, there's there's a lot of uh, some some great work being done in the states at the moment, looking at how people perceive what noise is, as as opposed to actual, actual what noise is. Um, and uh, I think you know there's gone in the old days of you you hearing a tractor coming roaring down the road, uh, and you know you can see the smoke long before you, you hear it. The engine technology now is 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 so so advanced, and what's coming out of the the exhaust stack now is you know. It, 
60-70% water vapour with, with stage 5 engines. Mm. Um, the, you actually hear the noise perhaps of the engine more now than you, you did before because we've done so much work around peripheral noise and that, that includes how we manage transmissions and how transmissions perform. So again, you know, go back to some of the very first power shifts, you'd be absolutely you know revving to the the, the far got a power shift change now the tractors managing the transmission and particularly with cvt uh, and thinking about diesel use and en en engine wear uh, the tractors doing so much for you that the the days of of, of taking the stick and, and and whacking the revs out they're they're long gone yeah that, i mean that's and that's not just that's true in across the whole operation isn't it? we're now working at much lower engine speeds which comes with its efficiency benefits but as a kind of peripheral thing also reduces this noise level that uh, people may have complained about when you work in a field next to a housing estate or uh... absolutely um well I, I i remember when uh, when i used to live uh, further south than i currently do you could always tell when it was the middle of harvesting because you could always hear the balers going and you'd mm. hear the plunger going in the baler long before you heard the tractor yeah. um but it's at the end of the day, it is a machine, it's doing a job and, you know, much the same way as, as in the construction industry, they're working hard and very conscious of the environments in which we work. And as, as an industry, we, we, you know, I think we've, we've got, uh, have had a bit of a reputation in the past of, of, of being a little bit arrogant to, to some of our, our neighbours, but I think a lot of that's changing. There's a huge amount of work being done to educate the general public as to what actually farming does. Uh, and in the, in the past year, I think there's been a greater appreciation than ever uh, of British produced food uh, from a home market and the quality and the welfare standards that we have for our animals. So I think British agriculture as, as, as a business is actually not in a bad place right now. No, not at all. Not at all. Um, I think that's actually a really nice place to leave it. We kind of talked about all the operator comfort stuff in there, and it's nice to end on a really positive note for farming because we are a very forward-thinking industry and uh we go we go far beyond any other sector in terms of technology uptake and uh efficient working practices so uh yeah i think the days of, of the perception of british farming being uh, uh, a little old chap in a cloth cap you know trundling along the lane in an open top tractor with a piece of straw hanging out out his mouth it's long gone you know we're we're doing a huge amount of work around uh, gender and equality and women in farming uh, and the perception of, of what farming brings to the table and it's 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 actually great fun to be part of this industry always has been it really is it really is i think the next 10 years will bring a lot of changes and it's going to be a very exciting place to be Oh, absolutely. And uh, certainly from our point at McCormick, we've got some big plans for the future. Any uh, any spoilers before I leave then, if you've got some big plans in the future? Uh, well, <laughs> it's got a line of duty moment. No comment. No comment. Oh, dear. Well, thank you very much, Ben. It's been great talking to you. Thanks, Matt. Good to see you as always. Good to see you too. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening or watching Machinery Matters. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, you can leave us a five-star rating. And if you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to like or subscribe to our channel. Thanks for listening. Bye.